Hello and welcome to Downstage with Brian and him. How are you all doing? Uh, one, it's uh, fairly cold outside, so it's already dark and dark here. It's probably dark in uh, where Hayden lives right now. At least it's getting uh, there. Uh, at least Hayden has a haircut, so there, there's that nice little uh, smooth haircut. And I know I need to get a haircut myself, but yeah. uh, so. Yeah, a lot to talk about. To talk, a lot to talk about in terms of entertainment for this week, or this past week in general, I should say. Uh, for starters, we're definitely diving into Disney Plus today. So, Hayden, where do you want to start with Disney Plus today? Because I know they release a slew of trailers, hot re- um, sizzle reels, concept art for various shows, and also just. Yeah, and various movies all in general. I mean, I think we have to start off with, like, really the biggest one right now, and that's the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Oh, yeah. Because that is the biggest thing. Uh, Because, honestly, I think that is going to be overtaking more of the Disney Plus stuff at the moment, or the Disney Plus Day stuff. So I think we we should kind of talk about that first, and then the the other Disney Plus Day stuff. Because a lot of what they released is so minor and minuscule, generally, because it's still so early stage for a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So I think I think yeah. let's kind of go right into this like um this the real big thing at the, that's going on. Which is Spider Man. So yeah, uh, I kind of delayed this episode by a day because one, I wanted to see this trailer, and two, uh... okay, apparently I had this, uh, apparently I had a thing still covering it. But yeah, um, the trailer I thought was pretty good. Uh, it still didn't say that much of the story outside of. Uh, them taking, them taking account to one more day where he wishes for, you know, people to not remember him to be Spider-Man and stuff like that and ends up essentially, you know, ends up essentially, uh, destroying not destroying, but yeah, destroying everyone's memory of uh, Peter Parker as Spider-Man. So it's basically the same thing where it's like, oh, Peter Parker tells Doctor Strange to do a spell. Spell gets uh, mixed up. Hilarious, uh, you know, hilarity ensues and, you know, ends up uh, bringing forth the Doc Ock, Green Goblin, the Sandman, the Lizard, Electro. Probably more people, too, because they are teaching that it's probably got to be a lot more people than, you know, mm-hmm. and everything else. But, yeah. Uh, but even though that I felt was good, I, I still feel like that it doesn't have the same oomph that the other trailers, especially, I mean, when I say other trailers, I mean other Spider-Man trailers had in the past. Here, it, it, just, it just feels like they're not... They just don't want to show everything at once, and I think that's a probably good sign too because you don't. We, you, I guess you don't want to have you know spoilers in the in the uh, in the film already without you know going into the film. It's like oh, suddenly they, you know you know why is Wolverine in the movie when they already you know when they didn't uh, announce it? So yeah, I, I think I was expecting more. But I think it, it still felt like a very good, a very good trailer. One that mm-hmm. actually showed the stakes of what's to come, but also just the stakes of Peter Parker's life in general. 
agree 100% with that, because that is something I felt has been lacking for a long time in a lot of these Marvel movies. Stakes. Consequences. Yeah, and at least with uh, with uh, Peter Parker, his stakes in the uh, MCU has been nothing much but uh, um, wake up, save the world, go to school, go back home. Mm-hmm. Or wake up, go to school, save the world, go home. Or wake up, go home, I mean, wake up, go to school, go home, save the world. Yeah. You know? He doesn't like he does, he doesn't have a, a real life, and now it's sort of like it's kind of like a, that life is kind of like thrusted upon to him because of his own um, consequences for the past uh, past couple of movies or so. Like he even says in the trailer, he only he like ever, ever since he got bit by the spider, he's only had one normal week. So he's always kind of had so he's always kind of been having to be that that you know that hero, having to which, always kind of like you know juggle so many things. Which, of course, is always a character inherently interesting to begin with. Yeah, uh, which is why, you know, Tobey Tobi McGuire's Spider-Man is so great, because he's able to carry a lot of that gravitas of all that responsibility in a span of, like, say, a whole movie. You know, not mm-hmm. only, you know, we see him mourn Uncle Ben, we see him, like, try to re- uh, get that revenge, we see him becoming the hero, and we see him becoming the city's uh, hero. Uh, Andrew like, Garfield, like in Spider-Man 2, okay. where he even says that line where he's like, you know, wondering why he can't get everything he wants because he wants to be a Mary Jane, but he also wants to be the hero to honor Uncle Ben, and he is struggling to balance both. And he, and even when he tries to not be the hero, he still can't get the life with MJ that he wanted. Yeah. So he's uh, still constantly juggling everything, as well as of course trying to be a, the, you know, delivering pizzas and taking pictures for J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, and I, I think this is the same problem that uh, that Andrew Garfield's uh, Spider-Man had too, where it's like the, the like the stakes, like his stakes for like the first movie he had, his stakes was that oh his mentor happens to be a, a scientist that essentially tries to kill him, but also uh, tries to nuke the whole well not nuke the whole city, but essentially Just turn everyone into lizard people like him essentially. Yeah, you know, like a, sort of like a, a, a reverse evolution to everything else. Mm-hmm. It's like you'll see the type of, uh, you'll see... A QAnon fever dream. Yeah. And then in Spider-Man 2, his stakes is the fact that, oh, you know, a long-lost friend wants his blood because his blood might hold the key to the... The 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 curing him from a disease that his father had, essentially. Yeah. And, you know, from on its own, that sounds like a great Spider-Man movie because, you know, you have a whole stake of that. You know, you have that emotional snake. But then you just pile on Electro and then, you know, Electro's uh, presence in the film is, like, kind of wasted all by itself. But then again, mm-hmm. even if Jimmy Fox wasn't playing the character, it would be, like, a very one-noted type of person that was like, oh, yeah, I forgot Electro's in this movie. But because Jimmy Fox really gives it all, gives him it, Gives it his all as Electro. Mm-hmm. He makes it a uh, very memorable character. The same reason why, um, who is it called? Uh, Thomas Hayden Church, Sandman mm-hmm. is so memorable. Because even though Sandman is so kind of forgetful in terms of being a Spider-Man villain, especially in a, a Raimi-verse, uh, mm-hmm. uh, mind you. Yeah. He still makes it his own because of the the gravitas he has. You know, you can see the regret he has in terms of being, you know, shooting up Ben Spoilers, by the way. Uh, uh, you see his regret. You, you see him wanting to be a good father and all that stuff. And then, you know, it, 
Yeah, like he says, he's not a bad person. He just got yeah. bad luck. Yeah, and and yeah, it's just. But yeah, I do agree that the, there hasn't been that much stakes in terms of Peter Parker's life in the MCU. Granted, the first movie he had was oh, he's gonna be with the he's gonna be hanging with uh, Iron Man and. Oops, excuse me. Hanging with Iron Man and uh, beating up uh, Captain America or and his team because you know they won't sign some record or something like that. Or their kind of thing. Or the Sokovia Accords. That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, they're, so they're uh, international outlaws. Second movie he has. Uh, it's his uh, first uh, his first movie. Uh, okay, he finds out that his girlfriend's uh, dad is a is the supervillain. Second movie. He finds out his mentor is a a a monstrous psychopathic uh who's also very much angry with Tony Stark. Yeah. And and I think that's another thing is that all these people in the EMCU, especially as the Spider-Man characters, have been mostly just Tony Stark related. Here mm-hmm. for No Way Home, it feels more than that. It feels that that the weight of not only being Spider-Man, especially for Peter Parker in the MCU, is also going to be carrying over to this whole multiversal effect of okay, maybe this maybe this is going to be the Spider-Man where it's like all the Spider-Man, well not all the Spider-Man, but all the Spider-Man has is to carry this this notion of you know with great power, with great responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that you know even though Doc Ock is you know they're still carrying over the fact that Doc Ock died uh, or vanished or what have you. Well, he technically does die at the end of Spider-Man too, but mm-hmm. here it's like they pick him up saying he's still alive. He's still the same Doc Ock, but he's still mm-hmm. alive. So he's not dead, nor is he alive. Mm-hmm. I, well, it's, it's it's like the line he kind of like says in the trailer. Telling Peter how he's essentially fighting ghosts. Yeah. How they're essentially, how because of whatever Strange did, it like, essentially brought them, so, so, you know, it's either he pulled them out in their last moments before death, or he brought them back from that universe, or almost essentially raising them from the dead, and then to cast them back into that world is essentially cast them back into the grave. Yeah. Because as, as Doctor Strange says, all those villains who show up had died fighting Spider-Man. Yeah. And, and and then also it's like you see um, Peter essentially trying to then change that because he doesn't like you know because you know with the responsibility he doesn't want to feel responsible for essentially sending these people back to their deaths. Yeah, and, especially because it seems like um, Doc Ock is going to be like you know helping him out. Like they yeah, probably you know they have that confrontation on the bridge, but it seems like later in the trailer kind of is insinuated that he's actually going to be helping them. Yeah, Especially I, when there's like one shot where Electro fires his lightning and you see Doc Ock essentially taking the hit of it and falling off the um, whatever building or statue or thing they're on. The bridge or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I do love the fact that it does look like they are bringing the carry the characterization of Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2 as being the more... Uh, even though he was like, he's literally about to kill Peter Parker. He's like, wait, a minute, you're not my Peter Parker. And then he starts like, you're just a kid and all that stuff. And you're just like, you, you get the sensations like, oh, uh, you know. Even though they're bringing some of these characteristics from these uh, films, it does feel like they are trying to keep it more mindful of, okay, this is still the MCU. There's still mm-hmm. stuff that, that it, you know. Even though, you know, Green Goblin is being lifted from, say, a 
Maybe the Sam Raimi movie, but, you know, we don't know yet because it's just like, oh, it's just Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin. We know he's just going to be playing the Sam Raimi version of Green mm-hmm. Goblin. But is he? And, and that's the and that's the thing that I that I feel like the trailer is. I mean, not... I mean, he definitely is because it's Willem Dafoe, and like if you're gonna have him play a, a version that's different from that, it, then it's definitely a waste opportunity, especially when it's very clear he's gonna be leading this. Oh yeah, know, Sinister so, Six style group of villains. And yeah, it it's definitely feels like I wanted more from the trailer, but at the same time, I got honestly understand why they cut it down or not shown as much as they not shown much in terms of just like story i can understand them well actually i kind of have to go a little opposite of that because i feel like they actually do tell the story like just a decent cliff notes version of what's essentially going to happen like peter's identity is revealed he's on the run he has to deal with that and he wants to try and make everyone forget about that to, so he can try and get his life back, essentially. But the spell goes wrong, the villains start showing up, and then he has to start figuring out how to fight these villains and also work with Strange to get them to send them back to the universe. Then he's going to have a little bit of a you know tussle with Strange over whether you know, that's okay to do or not. And then they're going to have that big final confrontation out on the you know on that what looks like the Statue of Liberty under construction or something like that. Yeah, or something to that effect, yeah. Uh, also, I want to say, there was something about that one shot where um, Tom Holland's Spider-Man is jumping into action on one side, and on the other you see Electro, Sandman, and Lizard. Like, yeah. The way it looks, it definitely looks like they were editing it out or cropping out the uh, Toby and Andrew Spider-Man. Because Tom yeah. Holland's Spider-Man is going straight for Sandman, and Sandman's going for him, but Electro isn't focused on Tom Holland's Spider-Man. He's focused on someone right in front of him. Same with the lizard. He's not focused on this, you know, Tom Holland's Spider-Man that's essentially above him. He's focused on in front of him. Yeah, sort of like that so, weird... So it's definitely like they're definitely, like, you know what you're saying, like they're trying to keep out certain elements to not spoil it. So yeah, I sort of, like, sort of like that weird shot of uh, the, the first trailer where it's like Peter's on the bridge of somebody and he's, he's right by a window and there's like this woman who looks like she's being superimposed mm-hmm. and not so like who's actually in that limo. It's like, it's a, mm-hmm. why is this woman framed so oddly because it's like... And looks so calm considering the situation. Yeah, so it, it does look like, you know... Yeah, they're, they're obviously maybe manipulating things to uh, like oh, like they did um, uh, with the um, Far From Home trailer when he's on that stage and they put a different Spider-Man suit on him from what was actually in the movie. Oh yeah, uh, forgot about that actually. Yeah, uh, so yeah, it definitely feels like you know, yes, they are probably taking care of spoilers and stuff like that too because they don't want people to go, you know. I think they want to have people surprised. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be uh, the, the notion going forward is that mm-hmm. especially, you know, uh, especially, forward, especially when at the end of the trailer, it says exclusively in theaters. Yeah. And not going to be on uh, Disney, you know, plus and stuff like that too. Even mm-hmm. though you know, after like maybe uh, two months or so, I'll probably be in it. Like uh, Shang-Chi is going to go straight mm-hmm. to Plus. But it but it probably won't be the thing before with the other movies where you could get it, but you gotta pay thirty bucks to watch it. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they do that like maybe after a month or so. Yeah, because you know it's it's Disney Plus. Uh, you know, 
they want to get is Disney. They probably want to get more money and stuff like that too. And speaking of Disney Plus, we should talk about the Disney Plus trailers. So, my God, Moon Knight looks awesome. Sea Hulk looks amazing. Uh, I love the fact that Sea Hulk has a reminiscent of of a scene that feels straight out of the the TV show The Incredible Hulk. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if that's Jennifer War of Walters playing an actress like her cousin or something like that, or because she goes to court and stuff like that too. But I'm not sure if that is Jennifer Walters like on on the screen like acting or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, maybe it is. I'm not sure. But She-Hulk looks amazing. Moon Knight looks awesome because mm-hmm. I'm in. Like I've been waiting to see Moon Knight, and I know Ox, Oscar, Oscar, Oscar Isaac, Isaac is going to be amazing as uh, Mark Spector. And yeah, uh, there's also the concept art that they released for Kenobi. The stuff that they released for was for um, it was only like maybe three pictures or something like that, but mm-hmm. the three pictures look amazingly detailed and it looks like what you're going to be seeing. Uh, it, it looks like you're going to have a rematch between Vader and Kenobi. Mm-hmm. There actually uh, was an extended sizzle reel that came out. I don't know if I sent this to you or not, but it shows a couple yeah, more pictures. It shows um, uh, Vader sitting on his throne at his castle in Mustafar. Uh, there was like one more picture, but I don't remember exactly what that was. It, was like, it had like one or two more, but still not, but still very everything close to the chest still. Yeah, uh, they didn't. I don't think they showed a lot of Miss Marvel, but it looked pretty interesting to say at least because even I think it was just like a shot of her with the Captain Marvel uh, outfit, just standing in the mirror, just smiling and stuff like that too. Unless they showed more of it, I just don't know if they did. And then there's like the secret evasion uh, thing where it's just like Samuel L. Jackson, eye patched off, it's Nick Fury, looking pissed off, bearded, all that stuff, and she's and he's ready for war. <laughs> That's how you know Nick Fury is pissed off. The one, the one thing I gotta say that frustrates me sometimes with the the trailers that Disney Plus does, it's like one or two new things, and then they just reuse so much other stuff to fill up space. It's like, okay, we get it. You wanted to keep fans and you know engaged, but you barely gave anything engaging. You just gave one yeah. or two couple of new things and then reused footage, like that Secret War, Secret Invasion trailer. It's mainly that one, you know, that frame. With, you know, Samuel Jackson with the beard, no eye patch. But then the majority of it is just reused footage from, like, the other Disney Plus shows, which is, like, it's just a little frustrating because it's, like, come on, y'all could at least give us a little more something than that. Well, you know, I can understand. If at, least, show... at least just don't reuse footage the amount that you did because the majority of it was just reused footage. Well, it's a way to also uh, save production costs, too, especially if, this, if they are, you know, filming right now, so... Ooh, yeah, but that's the case. Then, like, don't try to overly tease something. Then, I, I think just it's keep the, it close to the vest because, like, they know that they have a dedicated fan base, no matter what they do. So they don't oh, yeah. have to tease something to really not tease it at all. Oh yeah, and uh, again, Secret War or Secret Invasion really is a big storyline too, and it's gonna be. Probably 
the the Disney Plus uh, exclusive, the Disney Plus equivalent to something to of uh, of a spy movie or something like that. Mm-hmm. Especially if uh, you know, especially with the idea of the skulls being on Earth and it, you know, there's evil skulls or something like that. Unless they like, like, to- especially because they set up the scrolls as being the good guys. So would it just be like there's a scroll civil war kind of thing going on, or did they just turn evil? And if so, why didn't how did they turn evil? Like, oh, what yeah. was that motivation? Yeah, it definitely feels like they have an idea, but at the same time. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just reading over uh, Secret Wars anyway. Uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I will say for the Moon Knight trailer while you're doing that, I have never known much about Moon Knight, so I'm not really a fan, just mainly because I just don't know the character. But I saw a trailer, and who oh boy, am I am I now hooked on what they're going to do with that? Because that is a good trailer, especially for that kind of character. And She-Hulk... Um, again, wanted more. It was very brief. Because I think with Moon Knight, it's brief, but it feels like you kind of get more of what's going on. And, like, you get a more clear understanding of what's going on. Whereas with She-Hulk, it's just sort of like, okay, here's She-Hulk in her costume, the green skin. Here's the actress saying the, you know, the iconic Hulk line. Oh, and here we got Hulk saying, okay, we're going to run some tests, and the actress is in this, like, secured box kind of thing for whatever tests they're going to do. Yeah. So, it, it, so, yeah, it's okay. Just, yeah, it's okay. Wish there was a little more, but it is what it is. Uh, I do like that they are doing a short, short, I mean, like a short short of uh, Groot, like a baby Groot thing, and... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, uh, they, okay, uh, I think there was Ironheart, which is about Riri Williams, the, the kid who basically becomes like the next Iron Man, or the one, uh, if I remember, if that was the, the, the gist of everything. There was Iron Wars, which is basically War Machine story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Iron Root, which is apparently the glory days of of uh, Baby Groot's glory days growing up, so I just imagine uh, it being very, very, uh, very fun to say the least. Uh, but the one I thought I, the one that I loved the most was not a Spider-Man one called Freshman Year, which is about essentially, uh, basically Peter Parker's year one, essentially of him becoming like Spider-Man. And I love the fact that they are doing. Uh, a Spider-Man like prequel series without going like a full on. Oh, you know, sadly, we'll you know this will be uh, this will be like the upteen time we'll see Uncle Ben dying. But you know, it's. Mm-hmm. I hope it actually is like good because the animation style that they that that they've been showing, especially for What If, if they mm-hmm. do it like. Yep, that'll probably be, be amazing, to say at least, because I do like the what if uh, animation style. Yeah, I'm not entirely sold on it yet. I mean, mainly because they haven't shown anything. They just kind of announced, "Hey, here's the show we're going to be doing." 
and then no real major details, no trailer yet. So I'm not I'm not really entirely sold on it just yet. I'll I definitely want to see a trailer first before I would, you know. Marvel Zombies though is a surprise for me because I wasn't expecting that to actually be uh part of the uh the the MCU going forward. I, I guess because the, 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 the zombies episodes of or the zombie episode of what if you know, got more people to attention to Marvel Zombies, so we might as well make one. Yeah, why not? People will watch it. Yeah. Especially if you uh, follow what happens after um, the the episode. So, yeah. If it just follows uh, Peter and Ant-Man and maybe Black Panther, but I'm not sure if, they, if they'll keep Black Panther, you know, but they said they they said they weren't recasting him, so I think that would include like animation as well. Yeah, so I just imagine the character will probably be you know unfortunately passed away. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, speaking of Black Panther, uh, so it actually goes straight into another uh, discussion point that we had last week in the uh, past couple of weeks, where it has been um, although this is just part uh, primarily rumors and. So on the side of Black Panther, uh, Latissa Wright, who plays Shuri in Black Panther and Infinity War and Endgame and Black Panther uh, Wakanda Forever, uh, she's been known uh, last summer. Was it like, yeah, last summer mm-hmm. uh, she posted about the the vaccines being uh, laced with Lucifer itis or something. I, Lu- forgot I think it's like I think it's like Luciferin. Yeah, Luciferin, yeah. And she was posting it from, like, some sort of, like, well-known, like, uh, like preacher or something like that. And, and you know, it got to a point where Don, even Don Tito was, like, uh, was, like, literally on his main account, like, like talking to her. was like, you know, this is not what, you, you know, that we stand up for or something like that. I forgot what he actually said. But he basically mm-hmm. talked to her on, on his main account, like, in her uh, mentions and whatnot. So, yeah. Uh, so, according to the rumors, her anti-vax views have been has been essentially been flooded into the making of a uh, Black Panther two. But at the same time, they've been saying no, that's not true at all. We've been trying to work around an injury she had back in August, and once production starts again, they'll be able to do everything in terms of. Of, of filming everything, but it, it sounds like there's like two stories here. There's the story of apparently she's kind of been saying a lot of anti-vax views on set, and there's a, a producer saying no, that's not true. She's just been, uh, you know, the reason why we have been uh, she hasn't been filming that much is because she hurt herself and she's been trying to like work around her injury. Now, if she had injured herself, then that's fine. You know, you got to work around your injury and stuff like that, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you got and you got to heal up, too, yeah. Yeah, you got to heal up, too. But, two, if she is still doing, you know, anti-vax views, that still is a major concern because, one, she's playing a scientist. Two, she's probably playing one of the most smartest scientists in the MCU or in the Marvel, Marvel universe. And saying that she doesn't believe in the science or she's just believing in, you know, anti-vax... Uh, or, 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 or she'll probably justify it by saying, no, she was a different kind of science, but it's a made-up kind of science. Yeah. 
so yeah, it does definitely sound like they are, and of course, it's, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Winston Duke's, uh, Mabaku's, uh, Mbaku, yeah, as they pronounce it in the movie. Uh, Mabaku might become the next Black Panther, which makes more sense in a more uh, character arc-wise, because mm-hmm. one, Mabaku actually becomes um, T'Challa's friend over the course of the movie, even though, you know, they started as enemies. So that's like kind of like perfect, uh, a, a perfect symmetry, whereas like you have the enemies become friends at the end, especially becoming allies. And if the whole backstory or whole plot to Wakanda Forever is about the death of T'Challa, then how, who steps up? Mm-hmm. Obviously, someone who, uh, obviously a character like Mubaku, who kind of like turns himself around, especially, especially with the performance that Winston Duke made in both, yeah, in Black Panther. And, well, and and also too, it's like you know T'Challa was the king of Wakanda, and that means someone else would have to take the throne. And, you know, if you're going to be a leader, you have to actually be able to be the leader. Whereas, yeah. like, whereas, like with, um, Le- you know, Letitia Wright's Shuri character, like, her character could never honestly do that because her character is a scientist. Yeah, she's not she's a fighter. Not. She's coming up with solutions to problems behind the scenes. And, yeah, she has those, like, sort of, like, you know, self-made Iron Man gauntlets that shoot, you know, kind of similar kind of energy blasts or whatever. Yeah, but she, but yeah, as we saw in you know the first Black Panther movie, she's not a fighter. Yeah, she's and, definitely not. And yeah, you, you know they could say, oh, well, they could train her character, but it's like, I mean, yeah, but if you're naturally not a fighter to begin with, you'd have to spend a lot of time training to actually be a fighter. And yeah. also, she would spend, and also that would kind of like, and now and the, and they'd probably show that conflicting with like, okay, well, I'm trying to be a scientist, and I'm trying to help lead Wakanda or whatever, and then that's when Mbaku would step in and kind of start taking over as a leader. Because he's already led his tribe and he already knows how to be a leader. Plus, again, what you're saying before is that great thing of like, you know, he started off as enemies with T'Challa, but then T'Challa earned his respect. They became yeah. friends. They fought alongside enemies together. And that's another thing is like, uh, one, you have also Angela Bassett too, and especially, uh, especially her in a cast. So if you need to do anything that's sense of regal, regalness, you just have her character just be on on the screen and just like, you know, have her. Uh, pertain to court while you, if they do want to bring Shuri as the new Black Panther or something like that, then have her mother just being the one that's in charge of everything while Shuri is the one that does uh, the more behind the scenes stuff and all that stuff. But yeah, it's like. And and also, there's actually one more thing I thought of too, because the way the first movie ends, the, 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 that ritual fruit or whatever that they take to essentially become the Black Panther. Yeah. It's destroyed. Oh. It's no more. So like, so then they have to, so then it's like, would they try to build, would they try to find a way to create more of that in Wakanda forever? Or would they just have to address the fact that, yeah, can't do that anymore? Yeah. Uh, and, <clears throat> uh, whatchamacallit. I mean, as much as you could say that, uh, if it wasn't for the, the, the planets that the child's body would probably be in a very bad shape because of all the wear and tear that he would have been going through with, with all the stuff that's in his body shoot or, ooh, excuse me again, perfect tonight. Uh, with it's like sees you drinking soda. Hmm. Why yeah. am I burping? <laughs> it's also because I uh I ate dinner before, so that too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the idea of 
Mabaku becoming Black Panther would probably be an interesting more take because of Shuri becoming, becoming Black Panther. Because at least, you know, I can understand Shuri becoming Black Panther because it follows the comics. But in comics, he has a lot more of a backstory, a lot, a lot more mm-hmm. uh, diplomatic approaches and stuff like that, too. And, in the, and she's only been in two films. Yeah, well, she's only been in three Tem- films. Technically and, three, but really she only... Acts in two of them per se because yeah she's an Endgame but we don't actually see her do any acting aside from showing up in the final fight scene and, yeah. and just standing next to T'Challa at that Wakanda ceremony at an Endgame. Yeah, and you know in Black Panther you have the whole thing with Shuri, you, know, you show her you know show all that stuff, and in, in Infinity War she just helps out with uh, not only fixing. Or trying to fix... Uh, trying to remove the Infinity Stone from Vision. Yeah, from Vision, without trying to kill him. But it also has her uh, helping uh, Bucky become, you know, Bucky again. So, yeah, it, def- it definitely does sound like... Uh, like she's way more of a scientist than someone who will go out fighting. Yeah, she's way more of a, a scientist, unless they want to have Black Panther, her Black Panther to be more of the scientific uh, hero and just start using gadgets and whatnot, like uh, just something to that effect. Yeah, the, yeah, I could definitely see that happening, but at the same time, there's the stuff with her behind the scenes, and you know, is it, re- is it, you know, is it real? And, and that's the thing, though, like you know, she, the fact that she is very pro anti-vax, and probably, of course, you know didn't get the COVID vaccine herself, it does present a health risk to everyone who's on that set. Like, yeah, and every time she shows up on set to work, it, she is presenting a health risk to everyone there. Regardless of the vaccine or not, it's still a health risk. Yeah, and uh, what's my call? And they just did a new... Uh, a, vi- a, a new advisory or stance about people who are coming from out of state. So people who are coming from like Europe permitting, they still have to get all that stuff sorted out because if you're going to film something or, you know, if you are visiting America or something like that, mm-hmm. same sure, same exact thing. Like, Oh yeah. Like my best friend uh, came over from Australia. She got her first shot in Australia and then got her second shot here. And I guess because of that, it's been crazy amount of paperwork that she's still having to deal with. And this is like months and months later. Damn. Uh, yeah, I, I just imagine that being, uh, like, not only a, a paperwork, but also just being like a, uh, a a writer standpoint, where it's just like, how do we fix a lot of this stuff, especially going forward? Because you know, if Letitia Wright does have an injury and they're trying to work around it, then you know, good for them trying to work around the injury, especially if it's a bad, bad, you know, bad back injury and stuff like that too. But if it's also what they've been saying. True or not, with her being very anti-vax, then it definitely feels like, oh, they need to have, they need to figure out what will Act Three be about mm-hmm. if uh, this is going to be, if this goes keeps moving forward. Well, I, I think, think I, well, I think, I think both are true because she's been doing the anti-vax stuff before, you know, the reports of the injury that she sustained happened. And then you know the injury, and then they said, no, she was injured, and I'm like. Honestly, yeah, like I think both can be true in this instance. <sighs> yes, but yeah, it, it definitely feels like there's something oddly up with uh, with that too. And uh... mm-hmm. well, it's, it's probably also like contract stuff too. So they're probably yeah. also trying to figure out how best to work around that as well. Yes. Uh, what was it? Uh, 
trying to remember what else was next to talk about because. Oh, uh, right. Oh, the Catwoman. Thank you. I forgot about that. Okay, so picking up more about the comics and. And again, th- this whole week was like very comic-filled type of news, but there is one news story that I'm saving for the last show, and, and you could probably appreciate it for me talking about it last. But anyway, uh, so Halle Berry said that the only way she would go back to doing Catwoman if she would be allowed to direct a Catwoman film. And she said that her, she knows the type of story she wants to do, which is essentially Catwoman saving the day and becoming a very, like, almost superhero-like, quite... Uh, mm-hmm quality of character. Mm-hmm. So would you be mindful of Halle Berry returning to role of Catwoman or at least directing Catwoman on screen as a director? Well, I'd definitely be interested to see how she would direct it because I don't know. Has she, has she done a lot of directing before and I just uh, haven't been aware of? Yes, I believe her new movie, Bruise, is something that she directed. I'm not sure. I know she... Yeah, I think she either directed the film or, or I know she produced the film. So, uh, mm-hmm. but see that uh, see this is obviously gonna be edited out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she made her directorial debut with Bruce, which is about an MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Yes, and she said that she learned, not only did she learn a lot from uh, directing Bruce, but she also learned a lot since Catwoman. So, especially as an actress and as a, probably as a writer too, producer, that sort of thing too. So, from your standpoint, yeah, what do you think? Should, would you be interested, you said you'll be interested, but like, would you be interested in uh, Halle Bailey returning to both the role of Catwoman, or would you be interested in her like directing the Catwoman movie? I'd be more curious to see her directing the Catwoman movie because, based off, you know, um, the role she played um, as Catwoman in one of the previous films, or the one of the previous, you know, in the, the Catwoman movie that came out so many years ago. So I'd be curious to see how she directs, you know, a new a new Catwoman movie. Like say get you know her as the director and then Zoe grab Zoe Kravitz as you know playing reprising role of Catwoman. Yeah. That is something I would definitely be interested interested to see, like I how they love, do that. I would love to see her as a Catwoman like character, sort of like this, sort of like what they were trying to do in the Catwoman movie where they had Frances Conroy as sort of like the Catwoman type of character in the past. Yeah, where, that like, like like a mentor figure kind of thing. Yeah, mentor figure. But yeah, that, had, like I, I yeah I would like to actually you know see Halle Berry kind of do that as well. Especially if they have, you know, Zoe Kravitz's uh, character, you know, Catwoman be like the, you know, even if it's a one-off film where it's where it's not falling after the Batman, but they still bring her on, where it's just like, you know, like it could, like it, it could actually make sense too, because like if they wanted to be the more hero route, then you could say, okay, her time with Batman has changed her. She's still kind of an anti-hero. She's still, you know, cat burgling, so to speak, and you know. Catwoman, but then she's also kind of becoming more of a hero role. Like we could see a scene of her, you know, in the middle of a robbery, and then she stumbles onto a crime. Then she just is like, "Well, you know what? I got some time. I'll help out." And then you know, kicks butt. Yeah, it's sort of like the same thing that uh, I want to say the Arkham games does well, which is essentially (laughs) like she's a cat burglar, but there's the cat 
woman DLC for Arkham City that is so amazingly well done that you do see her as both a hero and as the anti-hero at the same time, where it's just like, oh, she'll just do everything in her own playful way. Exactly. And then, and then suddenly it's just like, oh, okay, you know, she could be a hero if she really wanted to, but at the same time, she doesn't she just doesn't want to because she doesn't feel like she is that, you know, hero, you know, that needy gritty hero that you come to know and love in other like adaptations. And then, yeah, you know, say what you want about the Nolan films, at least her, like their version, like at least the version of Catwoman, their version of the cat, I'm sorry. It feels like, Oh, it does feel like a Catwoman character. Mm -hmm. Granted, Anne Hathaway played her uh, played the role like a 1940s femme fatale, but you know that that's just my that's that, that's just that's just my. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was okay. It was okay for what it was. She had she had a few okay moments. Like it was kind of fun seeing the scene where she kind of is like playing all like you know like like shy coif like oh no I just stumbled onto a room I shouldn't have and then Bruce Wayne catches on to what she's doing and then you immediately see that shift of like oh. Oops. So that that was, that was a little fun to see. Um, I'm just, I'm just like a little funny, like when she has like um the the heel of her leg like stopping the what's his face, what's his name's arm and it's like cat got your tongue. It's like it's like when they do kind of have those moments, they're they're okay, they're interesting, they're fine, but yeah. they don't. But it's like then it kind of just fades off into the background. Yeah, and they kind of like focus on her as more like the. Uh... She's only in it for herself until the end type of thing. Like, mm-hmm. almost like a Han Solo type of character. She even has the Han Solo moment where she comes back and, like, literally uh, saves the day. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I didn't realize. Oh, my God. I did not realize that. <laughs> oh, my God. After all, after 12 years, I, I mean, not 12 years, after almost a decade or so, I did not get that. Oh, I did not see that. I did not see that reference coming. She literally has the Han Solo arc, where she starts off as a as, as the uh, she starts the, the off criminal as, who's as in it for himself, only in for herself. Meets up with this uh, the hero who tries to do some optimism. Sort of works. <laughs> she leaves him at the end, a la Han Solo. Mm-hmm. And then comes back around to help him out to uh, kill the bad guy, or at least destroy the uh, the thing. Oh my God, Nolan! You just directly stolen from the Star Wars, and no one has ever told her you that. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> oh my God! That is amazing. <laughs> All right, well I have control of this. Oh, he's back. <laughs> we'll talk later. About- I'm sorry, folks. What the heck? I never actually put those two and two together until now. <laughs> of course, I, I may be just uh, referring on the character or the character thing, but but yeah, it does actually uh, it actually does pair up kind of well. <laughs> uh, but to end this episode, and I know, and I kind of like did a lot of talking today, so I kind of don't want to keep on talking, so. Uh, and it's kind of sad that I uh, haven't got you much to talk to as well, but that's okay. To end, to end this episode on, and I know we just did a reading last night, I think, or did you do like rehearsal for a reading? Um, 
mean, uh, last night? No, it was a reading last night for um, Between Riverside and Crazy. Oh, okay. So I know we kind of like just did a lot of talking for the past like almost 24 hours. So, you know, so my <laughs> voice needs a rest too, but. <laughs> yeah, like I drank like a bottle of water before we started. But, so the last episode, the last episode, the last story I want to talk about is the Britney Spears, uh, free Britney Spears movement and how she's now finally free of the conservatorship thing. Good for her, but uh, where do you see her going from here, Hayden? Or what is your thoughts? Um, honestly, my thoughts are, yeah, great for her. But, yeah, I just don't have any thoughts of what, you know, could be the future for her. Because yeah, it's I up would. to her now. Yeah. It's all up to her. No, it's up to her now. Like, no one like, knows what her, her future is, so that's really... <laughs> yeah, uh, I would like to see her record a new album, but, you know... It's... Mm. I, I, I can understand, you know, not wanting to be in the record record booth, a recording studio for, you know, hours on end, especially after going through essentially legal hell for the past, like, say, what, decade or so, past few mm-hmm. years, several years? Yeah, it's been a long time. Like, it's, and, it's been way too long. But, yeah, uh, if she does, like, the, you know... You know, it'd be very nice if she does like the Tara Swift thing where she, you know, re-records some of her old songs into a new, uh, the new modernized thing. I'm not saying her songs from like 20 years ago are bad, but they do feel like dated in terms of, uh, audio, just like song ingenuity from that time. Because they do feel like 20, uh, uh, early 2000s pop. Like, if you re-record Baby One More Time now, you can easily do it more of a modern, t- uh, modern take. Because if you hear Baby One More, you know, hit me Baby One More Time, you easily think, okay, that's easily early 2000s uh, pop. Mm-hmm. It, it has that very distinct flair. So I can easily see her, like, maybe re-recording her old hits or something like that, you know, greatest hits album just to be on the safe side, but... Yeah. yeah, I can't wait to see where Britney Spears goes from here because she deserves all the praise in the world and she just deserves a nice little rest for the mm-hmm. most part. Absolutely. And Not funny me. enough, I want to say one thing about the song thing, about like the possibility of re-recording. Like, that's kind of the appeal, though, of a lot of those songs, though. You know, because of what they were back in the day. Like, look at how many people go back to songs from, like, the 70s and the 80s. Oh, yeah. Because of, like, how they sound then, because they all sounded unique and original. Yeah. Whereas, like, with a lot of stuff now, it, it it's hard to really kind of hear the originality. It all almost kind of is, like, blending together sometimes. I mean, I'm not saying that the C should re- re-record everything. I'm just saying maybe if she could just re you know. No, I'm, I'm, just, yeah, I'm just offering a, you know, contrast. Yeah. A hot I'm take just... with Hayden. Yes, I know that, that that that's what downstairs really is. Is this hot takes? Just this <laughs> hot takes. Like my hot take of uh, finding out that uh, the Catwoman's basically whole arc in the Dark Knight Rises is a mirror is a uh, freaking Han Solo. So yes, yeah. I've taken over the show now. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I just wanted to get. Uh, I just wanted to have that uh, this episode and kind of like you know. Uh, yeah, very very light because past few episodes ha- have been very almost downish. I wouldn't say downer, but you know, it, it just has, because of the subject matter of some of the topics we were talking about, because of the stuff that had gone on, it's like yeah, yeah it is kind of hard not to kind of like you know talk about a nice little uh, 
break from everything else, especially uh, especially you know with COVID and stuff like that too. And, oh yeah. And yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, Hayden. Uh, before we all go, uh, do you have any uh, last uh, recommendations, last thoughts do you have about this week? Hmm. I will give basically a very short summary of what I thought of the third season of the Netflix show You. It was a weird roller coaster that jumped on too many different tracks too fast. Hmm. Interesting. I thought we were going to say it needed more blood. <laughs> it's got plenty of that. There's plenty of that already. <laughs> uh, my last thoughts. Uh, if you want to keep on watching trailers, I would suggest rewatching the Batman trailer because, as much as I love the far, uh, far uh, the No Way Home trailer, go back to the Batman trailer. I'm not saying that as a Batman fan. I'm just saying that I, I, I love Batman. And I love Spider-Man, but. As a trailer fan, I love the Batman trailer more because it feels more of not only are the stakes more huge, but it just feels more like an action-packed movie where No Way Home feels like it's going to be an action-packed Marvel movie where it's like you kind of like see where I'm trying to go with that. Oh, definitely. And and as a Batman fan, I have been doing that too. Uh, and again, that that might be because of uh, just how John Waters directs uh, John Waters. Oh my god! <laughs> so, that's a totally different Spider-Man movie, by the way. John <laughs> Waters is Spider-Man. I'm sorry, John Watts is Spider-Man. I think that's just how John Watts just directs Spider-Man, which is essentially almost very formulaic, Marvelish type of, you know, what have you. Oh but, yeah, yeah, definitely. This that has been downstage with Brennan and Hayden this week. Uh, kind of a short episode, but it kind of like kind of like lead it over with mostly with the Spiderman talk and Disney Plus talk. So I hope you all had enjoyed this episode. Please comment, subscribe, share, like all that good stuff, and please remember just be safe, be well, and we're almost uh, we're almost home to this home home, home. We're, we're almost to the home run. I mean, we're almost to the home base to this end of the year. We are no way home. <laughs>